Happy President's Day, everybody. And we're singing Hail to the Chief, to the President of Locked On Diamondbacks. We're doing a Locked On Diamondbacks, Locked On MLB crossover for this Monday. Let's get it going. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy President's Day and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer and a potential presidential candidate. Well, <laughs> who would vote for me? I know someone vote for me. That guy right over there, Miller Thomas, who's been the host of Locked On Diamondbacks for almost as long as I've been the host of Locked On MLB. Tell people about you. Yeah, I'm actually the guy running against Sully in this race. Miller Thomas, host of Locked On Diamondbacks. You can follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. I'm hurt. You, we couldn't, you couldn't say vote Thomas Sully? You could, I don't, I'll, be, I'll be running, mate. Sullivan and Thomas sounds like a better like lawyer group or something like that's that. That's fun too. And by the way, you, you don't pay us unless you win. Okay, that's that's us. We're we're you know if you've been injured in an accident, yeah, call Sullivan. Thomas and Sullivan. Um, hey, uh, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twi- on Twitter. And if you're playing Twister and on uh, Instagram, I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. If you're watching my beautiful face right now. Um, then you, you can, you're watching this on YouTube, so please subscribe and tell other people to follow us. It is the, we're dropping this on the 20th day of February, which is President's Day. I have it off. Hooray! Uh, I know way too many things about the presidents of the United States and also some of their connections with baseball. President James A. Garfield, who was sadly assassinated in his only year as the president, was a rabid Cincinnati Reds fan. In fact, there have been several Reds fans who have been the president because a bunch of our presidents came from Ohio, including William Howard Taft, who was best known for being a heavy fellow, but he was also a really smart man and in many ways a very good president. The only person to be the president and serve in the Supreme Court uh, was a big Cincinnati Reds fan and also started the tradition of the president throwing out the first pitch because uh, mm-hmm. he was that big of a big of a baseball fan. Obviously, you had George W. Bush, used to be the owner of the Texas Rangers. Uh, and there was a lot of people thinking he probably could have been the commissioner of baseball. Uh, and former president Ronald Reagan was at one point a announcer for the Cubs when they used to do things like they were reading the game off of a ticker. A lot of, lot of uh, baseball connections over the years. Richard Nixon was a rabid baseball fan uh, and would constantly uh, – uh, write letters and get uh, to other baseball players. And when he lived in New York was a frequent visitor of Yankee stadium. So a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of baseball connections with the presidents. One of my favorite was uh, Babe Ruth was not a very political guy, but he campaigned for Al Smith when he ran uh, against, uh, I believe Al Smith ran against Hoover. It was either Hoover or Coolidge. Um, but when uh, Hoover was the president and Babe Ruth was making more money than Hoover, 
someone asked Babe Ruth, don't you think it's not, uh, don't you think it's uh, a bad thing that you're making more money than the president of the United States, of which he famously replied, why not? I had a better year than he did. <laughs> now and you so, look at it like every baseball player on every roster is making money. Yep. So, and also, by the way, happy birthday to Justin Verlander. Justin hey. Verlander, who uh, came back from Tommy John's surgery to win another Cy Young and another World Series ring, and then capped that off with being paid all the money in the world by the New York Mets, who are going for going for broke. The Saying big four O for Verlander, the big too. four bagel. And an easy Hall of Famer. Absolutely oh, yeah. easy Hall of Famer. And, um, you know, by all accounts, a good team. I've done not a lot of controversies you hear, you know, following Justin Verlander around uh, as he goes to the New York Mets. And, like, look, at that is obviously not a long-term deal. That's obviously a deal that say we're trying to win right now. And they're trying to make up for the loss of Jacob deGrom. Although, if the first report's out of Texas – or uh, any yeah. indication, uh, Jacob Degrom is doing his best to make up for the loss of Jacob Degrom because we haven't even we didn't even reach President's Day before Jacob Degrom had his first ooh little bit of an injury there. Yeah, and right now, like on social media, there's a little a little beef and feud brewing between like Mets Twitter and Rangers Twitter because mm. Mets Twitter is apparently all over Jacob Degrom anytime he gets hurt, and Rangers Twitter is feeling a little hurt by it right now. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, you and I are going to talk a little yeah. bit about some of the best. Well, we talked about some of the best. Moves. We're going to be talking about some yeah. of the moves that we're going into this year. Look, at this is this is all speculation, and sometimes there have been moves that teams make that I scratch my head. So what's that all about? And it turned out to be they turn out to work. Okay, um, I was basically lighting candles at a church to keep the Red Sox from signing J.D. Drew before the 2007 season. I wanted nothing to do with him. I thought the signing, his signing was awful. But he was a key part in that postseason. They don't win the World Series in 2007 without his big hits. And he had a fabulous year in 2008 where he almost slugged him back to the World Series. So sometimes I got to take a step back and say, all right, I'm, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. You know, mm. that, that helped them win a World Series. But from right now... I did. I was not a fan of the Jacob Degrom signing with Texas, and I said it when it happened because the Rangers are trying to be a team that are trying to become relevant right now. Jacob Degrom's always hurt. When yeah. he's healthy, he is one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. But you're you're gonna get ten starts a year from him now, and now are you gonna even get that? So to give him any type of long term deals, look at. Good for Jacob DeGrom. I never begrudge someone from getting a big contract, but I certainly don't blame the Mets, who I think are certainly going to get more starts out of Justin Verlander, who, mind you, missed all of the 2020 and 2021 season and is 40, but I think is more of a workhorse than Jacob DeGrom. And I think that for a team that is trying to push their chips to the center of the table, trying to get relevant now, I think this is a – I think – Look at I get they're trying to show that they're trying to win over their fans and everything like that, but it's a crowded AL West. It's not it, it you know you have the two two of the best teams in the American League are in that division, so you're basically going for like the second or third wild card position at best. And I don't think Degrom's going to give him more than eleven starts this year. So I would put that as a as a signing that right now, as it happened. And now in spring training, I said, this is going to turn out to be a bust. 
Yeah, the long-term money, I think, is the thing that hurts the most when we look at the DeGrom, the DeGrom contract because he's going to get paid until he's 40 years of age. I don't mind the I don't mind in terms of annual average salary because he's getting $37 million a year, which is a lot of money. But considering when he does start, how good he is, I think it's a it's a gamble that the Rangers were willing to pay because if you look at their last two offseasons, they're pouring a whole bunch of money into these big-time star players, the Corey Seegers, the Marcus Simeons, the Jacob DeGroms, and... The Rangers are kind of going for it right now. I still think they need another year of adding players or probably adding talent to be a true World Series contender, but they've opened up this short little window where they're trying to attack a World Series, and they think Jacob DeGrom, if they could at least, maybe don't get 30 starts from him in the regular season, but if your team's good enough to sneak into the wild card round because we've seen from the playoff field the last two team, the, the last two years, you don't have to be a 100-win team to make it to the World Series. You just got to get into the dance, and if Jacob DeGrom is at least healthy once you make to the postseason then anything is possible if you're a rangers fan i will never begrudge a team for not wanting to go for it i will never begrudge a team for trying okay that's why we were all begging for our teams to just try but if you're gonna if you're having an off season where part of what you are doing is you say we're gonna make our pitching staff better and you bring in Degrom, you bring in nathan neovaldi yes, again two pitchers who went healthy are wonderful but they both have intense injury issues in their in their careers and that was the previous decade we're now in we're now in the mid 2020s okay they're not getting younger this is not a benjamin button situation okay and unless we start to relax the ped rules the ideas of someone who's injury plagued in their mid 30s mid to late 30s suddenly finding the fountain of youth i'm sorry I'm sorry, Vasco da Gama, but that's not going to happen. And if you're building your rotation around that, look at uh, uh, a signing of a DeGrom would be perfect in a team like the Mets, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, teams that have a frontline starting pitchers already. And you're hoping you roll the dice that he'll give you, you know, get something out of the third, fourth or fifth slot. The Rangers are asking them to carry the rotation and it's not going to happen. In fact, I think it's one of the biggest surefire bets you can uh -oh. do is to say that they are going to put fewer than, you know, that DeGrom and Evaldi are going to combine for fewer than 20 starts this year. Uh, you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. And I'm going to head my butt over to FanDuel to make a bet like that. By the way, we're at the midway point of the NBA season, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on anything from the money line to point scores, threes drained, and how quickly Jacob deGrom and Nathan Iovaldi are going to be on the injured list. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-day parlay. That's French for speak. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet. That's English for no-sweat first bet. Up to 1000 American dollars in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Do you not hear that? FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can go there to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official Sports betting partner of the National Basketball Association. Now, look at Miller Thomas. He's right there, in case you're wondering. Um, you and I want to talk a little bit about some of the 
the moves that were that appear to be whiffs and mm-hmm. and I, the the degrami of all these signings i think are are front and center for me because those are you're trying to make those foundational for a team to turn it around um and i love bruce bochi i even love his lieutenants but um take a sip and take a shot everyone because i mentioned bruce bochi's lieutenants but i i see the rangers as a fringe wild card at best, and and I just don't. I thought this was this was a bad move. But what are some of the moves that you think of have been were um, ill advised? Let's just call them ill advised. Yeah, I and mean, real quick on the Rangers, they might not be done yet, Sully. They may have an in season trade coming, like the Seattle Mariners did with Luis Castillo. They pull off something akin to that, where Degrom's not carrying the rotation by him lonesome anymore. Then you might be in on this. I'm in on you, Rangers. I'm in on you this year. Do you think they're gonna be? Do you think they're gonna be above 500? They're oh, I just checked FanDuel. They're over under for win totals is 81 and a half wins this year. I I'm not against betting 82 and 80 for the Texas. I am. Okay. Under. Okay. Let, we should do like a little personal bet on the Rangers. All right. Season. Yeah. Let's right. go do that. But my, uh, I want to start off when looking at the worst offseason signings. This is someone that I said was going to be a terrible signing before the offseason just because I'm not in on him as a long term option for your team. I think he's a good player. He's still young. He's still in his prime. But Dansby Swanson to the Chicago Cubs mm-hmm. for seven years, 177. Swanson's not a bad player, but I don't think he has the ceiling of some of these other top shortstops that we saw go off the market for similar money. Xander Bogarts is getting the same annual average salary as a Dansby Swanson. Yes, there's a few more years tacked onto Bogarts' contract, but just in a vacuum, I would much rather have Bogarts than Dansby Swanson. Turner's getting two more million a year annually than a Dansby Swanson. I would much rather have Trey Turner than Dansby Swanson. Those two players, I think, are just a, a class better than Dansby Swanson, and you're getting them for basically the same rate. And I look at the Chicago Cubs team, I'm just not sure where they're headed as a franchise. They signed a whole bunch of players to one-year contracts, like the Cody Bellingers. I think they signed Trey Mancini's. Like, they took a bunch of flyer options. Then they spent a whole bunch of money on the Tyones, another bad contract I didn't like. Spent a whole bunch of money on Swanson. I know they had some momentum at the end of last season, but then they let their best player, Wilson Contreras, go in free agency to the St. Louis Cardinals. I just don't understand it from the Cubs perspective yeah the Cubs are weird because you know a couple of years ago they were like you know hell or high water we're going to rebuild and mm-hmm. even though they were a playoff team for a good chunk of the um of the beginning of the 2021 season the nanosecond they had a slump they traded everything that wasn't nailed down and so and do you like that? Do you agree with that um, kind of situation of blowing up your team I, that you knew could at least made the playoffs? Maybe you weren't a world. I'm not, I'm not a fan of blowing a team up when they're still good. I understand in the un, the mindset of trade someone a year too early than a year mm-hmm. too late. Um, and I, I think they should have kept maybe one or two players from the championship run, if for no other reason to give fans a little something to hang their hat on. I, I it. it and, you know, I prefer teams to go for it, especially because the, you know, the National Central wasn't exactly a powerhouse that year. I mean, That's Milwaukee still not a powerhouse. Um, I don't know what the Cubs are doing. You know, on the one hand, you're like, they're rebuilding. On the other hand, they're they're letting players walk. I, I understand bringing in a bunch of players to one-year deals to basically be like, okay, you're, you're on our squad. And if we're, if we're in the, if we're, flowing down the toilet maybe we can jettison these players and get some more young players back but i don't see the i don't see what their strategy is and signing someone like swanson 
as opposed to Correa. If they signed Correa to a long-term deal, I would say, okay, you're this is the guy you're going to build the team around. Or yeah. if they signed Swanson to a short-term deal, I could say, okay, they're just making sure there's a major leaguer there. But you're right. Contreras, they, okay, we're going to cut costs with Contreras, but we're going to bring in Tyon to a longer-term deal than I think he's worth. And Swanson, I, I, I'm very confused by what the Cubs are doing. And keeping it in the city of Chicago, I think the White Sox have had as disastrous an offseason as you could possibly have. First of all, they lose the yeah. heart of their team. They lose Jose Abreu, who is the heart of their team, the, the franchise player, and the insanely likable slugger in the middle of that lineup, okay? You bring in Clevenger, who is an awful human being. Come at me if you want to fight me on that. And you're going to bring in not just, you know, not just his awfulness, but the media scrutiny that's going to come about from that as well, which is completely avoidable. Mm-hmm. And then you sign Andrew Benintendi to, a, to something long. Andrew Benintendi for one year, fine. Andrew Benintendi to a long-term deal who has shown that he is not, you know, he had a great start to his career, had a huge dip, had a good first half last year, then was a non-factor the second half. So he's given you half a good season in the last three years, and you're going to give him a long-term deal, hoping that he replaces some of the offense lost by Abreu? Not just any, and and you bring in a rookie manager in the middle of this cyclone. This could be a potential catastrophic season for the White Sox, who just a year ago were the consensus pick to repeat as division champions. And the funny thing is, it's not just a long-term contract with Ben Tendi; it's the largest free agent contract that they ever handed out in their franchise history. Andrew Ben Tendi. That makes that actually just makes me laugh because it makes no sense. It's not even that big. Like seventy five million is too much for Ben Tendi over five years. But just in terms of a vacuum, like just saying that's the largest contract you handed out. Like that just means as a franchise, you spend no money in the offseason. The largest contract you ever handed out is seventy five million. Even the D backs who are always cheap, they gave Zach Granke two hundred million dollars. Yeah. They gave Mad Bum eighty five million dollars a couple yeah. years ago. Seventy five million dollars is the largest contract in your free agent history. Is actually insane. I'm going to actually, I'm going to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. And I'm just going to, I have to look this up here. So Ben Attendee, who wound up playing 33 games with the Yankees after being dealt from, from Kansas City uh, and was basically a non-factor. He was not, he was not a factor in last year's time with the, okay, here we go. Uh, no, that's Michael King. I didn't mean to click on Michael King. I meant to click on Andrew Benintendi. Um, but Benintendi, who, by the way, it seems like Benintendi has been in the league a long time. Mm-hmm. He's only 28 years old. Yeah. You know, because he basically came right up from college. He went right from college to the 2016 Red Sox, played in the playoffs three straight years, had a great start to his career. Wasn't he an then- all-star last year? Uh, yeah, he made the All Star team because he had a very good first half of the season. Yeah, and he was and on had, Kansas City. Yeah, they had no one. But else. like 20, uh, 2019, he, his numbers started to dip. The COVID season was a lost cause. Twenty twenty one, his numbers were mediocre at best. And then last year, he started off really well, but then of course got hurt. I'm sorry, this is the guy you're offering, like 
you let Abreu walk and you bring in a rookie manager to deal with the loss of Abreu and the addition of Clevenger. I think if any French and, and to the point now where, you know, Cleveland and, and Minnesota are, in my opinion, uh, clearly better than Chicago at this point. And also, mm-hmm. they, I mean, Johnny Cueto did well for them in their cameo. Why could they bring him back? I I look at the and I I like the White Sox. I like a lot of the players on the White Sox. I'd like to see him do well, but uh, this has just been, uh, I, I think, a calamitous off season for the White Sox. Yeah, it's a big make or break season with them because we've talked about a lot of times how their outfield is never able to stay healthy. Tim Anderson's never able to stay healthy, and he's going to be a free agent, I believe, at the end of this season as well. So I think it's going to be a big make or break season for the White Sox because they're someone that we've talked about as like a dark horse team, someone that we've all liked the last couple years to maybe go deep in the postseason ever since 2020 because we've looked at that lineup. We've looked at the rotation at times and thought they've been sacked, but they've never been able to do what we thought they were able to do once they've reached the postseason never been able to exceed or at least you know meet expectations so they've just kind of been disappointed the last three years big make or break season for them this year and i'm not quite sure it's going to get much better but sully let me give you another worse offseason signing because i feel like people don't want to acknowledge this guy as a bad offseason signing because of the team he re-signed with because this team spends a lot of money sign uh spends a lot of money sully and people love it when teams spend money but sometimes it's not always good to hand out the big time contracts because I think Brandon Nemo signing for eight years, $20 million a year. Like I think Brandon Nemo's a very good baseball player, but you look at his numbers overall, he's really just like a near 300 guy, maybe around 12 home runs. Doesn't really put up big statistics. He gets on base a good amount of times, but it's like, he's like a borderline all-star type player. I think he got money. Like he's a franchise moving needle player i think he's a really good baseball player but eight years of over 20 million dollars a year annually for brandon nemo i know the new york mets don't care about spending money i know they're gonna go out there and basically sign whoever they want target whoever they want we got a big summer coming with some more free agents that the mets are probably going to be linked to and go after but i think eight years over a hundred million dollars for brandon nemo it's just kind of egregious if it was a five-year deal i'd feel differently but he's going to be like late 30s at the end of that contract i just feels like that's too much money for him um i think it has to do a little bit of uh, this is kind of a weird organizational loyalty like he is someone who came up through their their system he's someone who was developed through their system he's someone guy. who they wanted to sort of keep him as like uh, a Met, you know, to have him be that Met who is that the fans can say, yeah, he's been with us this whole time. Um, he has played a hundred games twice in his career. Yeah, this was the first time he's done it since 2018. Yeah, and um, now of course, you know, you throw throw 2020 out the window. Obviously, everyone has to throw 2020 out the window. Yeah, he's a hard. I mean, look, he's a he's a fine player, and I think he's a fine complementary player. He's your good. Point is, you know, I think your point is taken that if they offered him a three or four year deal, then um, I think that would probably be the smartest thing. The, the eight year deal, even I did a double take saying, I understand that he has value in the franchise that, that may be difficult to quantify. And you want to have maybe knowing like, hey, the Alonzos and the Nimmos and the guys who are part of the team and brought up, it's not just that you know, they're trying to have their answer to the the homegrown core that the Yankees had for all those years. I get it. I get it. 
but uh at some point you got to say yeah that's uh um look at he gives him a he gives him a nice boost mm-hmm. but it's not the it's not a franchise boost no uh it'd be sort of more like what's something more pleasant than be a boost like a built bar oh now look at if you're looking for a delicious treat that doesn't have all the fatter calories then you got to try a built bar all right now we've made it through super bowl sunday we made it through the valentine's day chocolates the easter chocolates coming right around the corner all these temptations are around us you want to eat healthier you got to try built with built it's healthy it's actually tasty they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you perfect for your new year's resolution what make built bars so good well for starters they're all covered in 100 real chocolate that's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these Built bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. It's even better, they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't have to wait to get the box delivered to you. For years, we talked about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Well, now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built bars. You can pick up a four-bar box, Cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Oh, my goodness. I love those Built Bars. Let's sing that song. Built Bars. They're still good. Um, Talking about some of the bad, you know, of course, as I said before, we could all be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just looking, going into the year, the ones who go, what, what the hell are you doing? Like, I don't know what the Cubs are doing. No. I don't know. And the White Sox seem to be rudderless. The Red Sox are rudderless in a different way. <laughs> they seem to be obsessed with the 2018 Dodgers. And I said, why aren't you obsessed with the 2018 Red Sox? Like the Dodgers keep, are. Like the Dodgers are. Yeah, there are more 2018 Red Sox on the Dodgers, more 2018 Dodgers on the Red Sox. Kenley Jansen is going to be a disaster in Boston. Mm-hmm. He had so many blown saves with the Dodgers. That were forgiven. There's, they're not going to forgive him in Boston. He's going to be a, it's going to be a calamity. Uh, Justin Turner, all that, you know, the the long beard and all the goofiness is great when you're hitting the big home runs in the postseason, not when you're, you know, pulling a Pablo Sandoval. I, I just don't see the Red Sox are rudderless. But let's go to the Dodgers for a second. Okay. I like one of the reasons why I'm starting to lean towards the Padres for the division when I make my official picks is first of all, the giants, their off season was just uh, the prom and carry was just, it was, it was a disaster. And it was was just kind of like all these moments, like you're on the verge of something great and nope. Oh, you're going to sign a great player and nope. And you know, you thought you're getting judge and Correa instead you get Conforto and Mitch Hanniger. Um, and you lose Carlos Rondon. I mean, this is a this is a bad off season. Not not don't blame the Giants for not trying, but you got to walk away with something a little more exciting than Michael Conforto and Mitch Haniger for God's sakes. Yeah, but but the Manaya? I don't see it. I, I mean, this stripling. I mean, yeah, stripling. Congratulations. <laughs> but the other reason why, obviously, the Padres are going to have a full season of uh, Soto. They're going to have back Tatis. They're bringing in Bogarts for a team that's already good. But then I look at the L.A. Dodgers, who let Trey Turner walk. Yeah. Let Justin Turner walk. 
let Tyler Anderson walk, let Andrew Heaney, Cody Bellinger, Craig Kimbrell, Tommy Canley. Who, who did they replace him with? Who was JD. Their, I mean, J.D. Martinez, fine, but I'm looking around going like, you know, it was like the, the, the music stopped, and you're like, didn't what did you do to improve this team? And I, I honestly think that the Giants and the Dodgers are kind of like saying, after you, San Diego, are kind of like they're, they're completely uh, inert offseason, has allowed San Diego, of all cities, to be the team that becomes the big boys in that division. And right now, now again, the Dodgers won, what, 100-some-odd games last year, 110-some-odd games. Obviously, they're still a good team. Obviously, still a playoff team. But I'm looking at how San Diego addressed their needs and how Los Angeles is going in. Yeah, I know they have a ton of young players in their system. They have a fertile farm system. Maybe they're going to hand the car keys over to a lot of the young kids and hope that they, they, they all explode. And they could very well explode. They could wind up winning the World Series. But, my God, they let a lot of – the Trey Turner one is the one that makes me completely baffled. And when Trey Turner left, I thought, well, all right, maybe they'll sign Swanson to a three-year deal, or they'll be in on Correa, or they'll be in on Bogarts. I thought I thought Bogarts was heading to L.A. Mm-hmm. And the fact that none of that happened really makes me scratch my head at this whole offseason that they've had. I'll tell you who they brought in to replace them. The freight train baby David Peralta, because he signed a one-year deal with them. That probably won't really move the needle for the no. L.A. <laughs> no. no, I mean, Peralta's not a bad signing. I mean, no. He's a decent player, and he'll probably do his job. But I, I still look at this Dodger team and go, "Like, wait a minute, this is a World Series or bust team. Shouldn't you have made one big splashy move? Especially here in LA, there's a lot of ill will. They were in the Dodger fans were mad about what happened last year because they had that team won 100 and what 14, whatever it was, games." This is on paper in terms of what they did in the field in regular season, the greatest regular season they had of all time. They won one postseason game to a Padre team who they beat like a rented mule the entire year. I mean, that was just embarrassing for Dodger fans, and there did not seem to be any reaction to that. Yeah, if you're the Dodgers, this is kind of your M.O., though. Like, they're not really afraid to let town walk in the offseason because if you look at their last few offseasons, like they've let, like you just said, the Trey Turners of the world. They let the Max Scherzers of the world walk in free agency. They let the Manny Machados of the world walk in free agency. Like, the Dodgers believe in their own system that their front office can go out there and either pick somebody from their minor leagues, they could develop into a star, or they're just going to wait for the next Max Scherzer to become available on the market that they go trade for, and then you get Trey Turner thrown into that deal, or you wait till free agency and you sign a freddie freeman or like you trade for the mookie bets in the offseason like the dodgers are not afraid to let town walk in the offseason because they always feel like another star is right around the corner well for andrew friedman and brandon gomes and everyone in that front office the pressure is on them because they're gambling they're making a bet that their their farm system is going to be producing stars but you already know where to go if you want to make bets, so no reason to do that yeah, again. I didn't know if we were doing that. No, no, I'm not going to do that again. Well, look at that's – I mean, and the other team and the last team I'll mention, and just some, as I said, sometimes the bad moves are just the moves you don't make, is the fact that – and I've mentioned this before, I'll mention it again. I don't understand how Baltimore could have a year where they get off the mat, they finally have a winning season, and you don't capitalize on that. I'm not saying going on a massive spending spree, 
but at least showing your fans, hey, we acknowledge things are going to be a little different now. And we're going to try to bring some actual major league talent onto this team. Besides James McCann, who, you know, I mean, look at James McCann's a nice player. He's had a nice career, but he's not anything. He's, he was available. He's a living human being. They put a mirror under his nose. They saw steam. Um, I, why Baltimore could not be in on some of these people, uh, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, Baltimore, they signed some veterans with the Kyle Gibsons, the Adam Frazier's, the Jesus Aguilar's, but they didn't sign any big-time stars. They didn't sign any above-average major leaguers that would have really helped the rotation or the lineup in that way. But I think they just are at this point like the D-backs where they're not trying to take any opportunity away from those young guys. They were not afraid to add veterans to maybe fill some of the holes and weaknesses to just shape around the edge of the roster. But they don't want to bring in any real big-time impact players right now because, one, I don't think they really want to be good just yet. I don't think they are afraid of being in the lottery one more year and maybe getting a top pick because this is still a team that wants all those young players to develop, give as many opportunities to the Adley Rushmans, the Gunnar Hendersons of the world to fail. I'm sure they got other young players as well. They're going to wait for the Jackson holidays in a couple years to come up and give him as many opportunities as well. So I think maybe two to three years from now, we'll see the D-backs and the Orioles make real moves in the offseason, not just sign the Evan Longoria's of the world and actually go out there and sign real-time players real-time at bats dudes that you consider maybe all-star level players in the offseason but as it currently stands because they don't feel like they're even in the mix for a world series discussion why go out there and spend real money on a big time player they are probably gonna have to trade in a couple years anyway well look at we'll find out for sure how accurate we are but i know one thing is accurate that once a week you and i are going to get together and we're going to have ourselves fun doing a podcast so miller thomas tell people they can listen to your terrific show Oh, we missed breaking news with the White Sox during the pod. They signed Elvis Andrews, Sully. Oh, oh. there you go. Well, then that changes everything. Then they're going to win. There's going to be a parade in the South Side. That's actually not a bad move, especially because they're not sure what they're going to get out of Tim Anderson, but still. Yeah, it's all right. Tim Anderson Insurance. Follow me on Twitter at CreativeThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. Follow us on YouTube as well, Locked on Diamondbacks on there, and follow us wherever you stream your podcast. And you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Seeing the glass is half empty, and maybe we'll be wrong with Miller Thomas. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan, here on President's Day. Oh, I forgot to mention, I feel so. I feel like I'm cheating someone out. Thanks for making us your first listen. Sorry hey. there. Ooh, sorry, Lindsey Crosby. Thanks for making Lockdown be your first listen. Make Lockdown Diamondbacks your second listen. Make Lockdown MLB Prospects your third listen with host Lindsey Crosby. He's a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep in the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Getting the last live read in under the wire. This has been Locked on MLB for the 20th day of February 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. That's Miller Thomas. That's fist pump for the president. Boom.